You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you. We pray you'd speak to our hearts uh, from the word that we have read and the word that we will preach. And I pray that we would not only be uh, hearers, but I pray we would be doers of the word. I pray that you would bless our church family. I think of uh, Brother Warren Bryant's uh, family and the friends and our church family. I pray you give comfort and strength. Thank you for his life and I thank you for his testimony. I pray for uh, Chad and Shelly and uh, Charles and Heather and their family today. I pray you give them comfort. I pray for Miss Laura Clemens as she's in Greenville. I pray you touch her and Brother Charles. Thank you for them. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would please bless our children's ministry right now, all of our bus uh, junior churches and Sunday school classes and our drive-in junior churches. Thank you for every worker. I thank you for uh, every member that's here today. I thank you for those that are listening on the radio, those that are watching online. I pray you'd speak to us and may we be helped today from the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I started last Sunday morning uh, from this passage. We're looking at uh, verse number two, looking unto Jesus. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. That'll help you. And no matter what you're going through, I'll promise you this. Things get better when you get your eyes on Jesus. We said number one last week, there's some things to remember. Remember that we have a great cloud of witnesses that have surrounded us. I believe there are folks in heaven that are cheering us on. I believe there are folks down here on earth that are rooting for us and pulling for us. And as you're running this race, take heart and be encouraged by the fact that there are people that are watching and there are people that are rooting for you. We said last week, secondly, not only remember, but number two, there are some things we have to remove. We said last week we have to uh, set aside, lay aside the weights that so easily beset us, okay? Now, a weight is not necessarily something sinful. A weight could be something in your life that is good. Now, I'll ask the men this question, okay? Ladies, don't answer this question. Men, is there anything wrong with fishing? And all God's men said, no, there's nothing wrong with fishing. You see why I had the men answer that question. Is there anything wrong with fishing? No, there's nothing wrong with fishing. But fishing can become a weight if that's the thing that keeps you out of church. If that's the, that was kind of quiet, but I'm glad we had one amen. Thank you, Brother George. Um, uh, if fishing's the thing that keeps you out of church and keeps you away from your family and it keeps you from your priorities. And as Brother Dan said jokingly in class today, he said, hey, if you have to work on softball night, 
Just call in sick. You know, get your priorities right. Don't do that. There's nothing wrong with fishing, but fishing could become a weight if it takes you away from the things of God. All right, now men, you're not allowed to answer this question. I'm gonna ask the ladies, okay? Ladies, is there anything wrong with shopping? <laughs> that, was, that was very quick and emphatic. Wow, I didn't have to prep you for that one. You were ready. Um, nothing wrong with shopping. Ladies, there's nothing wrong with shopping. Is there anything wrong uh, with uh, shopping if it takes you away from church and takes you away from your family? and you max out all the credit cards and you have to, you know, mortgage your house. And well, then that becomes a problem, right? But there's weights and we all have weights. We got to set those weights aside because God's called us to run the race. God's called us to serve him. Today, I'd like for you to notice in verse one, let us lay aside every weight. And it says the, what's the next word? The sin, which so easily besets us. That word beset, it has the idea of, uh, of throwing us off, uh, of getting us away from what we're supposed to be doing. It has the idea of trapping. Sin ensnares us. And by the way, sin is a trap. And once you get in that trap, it is not going to be good. That's why we want to lay aside, the Bible says, the sin that so, ooh, what's that next word? Easily besets us. Did you know that there are some sins that you're not going to have to struggle with as much as other sins? Now, I'm not, I'm not better than anybody because of, uh, of this, but I thank the Lord that I grew up in a home where my parents did not drink alcohol. It wasn't in our home. We, we didn't do it. We didn't go to the restaurant. We didn't do it for parties. We didn't do it for celebrations. Uh, we didn't do it for wedding receptions. We didn't do it for get-togethers. We didn't drink. As a matter of fact, growing up, we would go to my grandparents' house and uh, my dad's uh, parents, and, and they did. And there were times mom and dad would say, we don't drink this, you know, and they'd have it in the same refrigerator. They'd have all the soda. I remember one of my sisters came back one time and uh, thankfully she didn't pull the can out or anything, but she said, uh, yeah, I'd kind of like to try that light. What's that light? And it was, I think, Bud Light or something like that or whatever. And we're like, uh, let's stick with Orange Crush, you know, or let's stick with 7-Up. But, but, but we didn't drink it. So for me, and I, I'm not saying this be, that I'm better than anybody else. I'm, I'm a sinner just like everybody else here. But for me, that's not a besetting sin. I don't drive by the bars and I don't think, oh, I wish I could turn in there. I don't go to the, as a matter of fact, I get frustrated when I go to a convenience store. I feel like they got more coolers with alcohol than they do with, you know, the good stuff, you know, like Diet Mountain Dew or sweet tea or iced coffee, you know, or something good like that. But that's not, that's not a besetting sin for me. Now, by the way, except for the grace of God in the future, I, I hope and pray, I, you gotta, I got to stay away from it. But that's not something that is a temptation for me. But for some of you, that is. For some of you, that's a battle every day because of your past, because of your background, because of uh, whatever. But for you, you drive by that bar or you drive, drive by that place and you think, man, I'd love to go in there. I'd love to get that. I, I want that. Can I tell you, that's a a besetting sin, and we all have those sins. You say, well, I don't drink. 
glad I don't drink. No, but your besetting sin is you're so stinking proud that God can't even use you because nobody can tell you anything. As a matter of fact, you don't even listen when the preacher's preaching. Now, you're looking at me right now, or you're online, and you're like, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm glad he's saying that for others. But can I tell you, when God listed the sins that he hated the most, you know what he put at the top of the list? Pride. And that may be a besetting sin for you. For you, your besetting sin may not be alcohol. Your besetting sin may not be pride. Your besetting sin might be gossip. And you can't help yourself. You hear something good, you hear something juicy, and you just can't wait to hang up the phone and call the next person and say, you're not going to believe what I just heard. You say, oh, no, pastor, we don't do that. Well, that's your other besetting sin. You're a liar, too, okay? <laughs> Can I tell you, those are sins. Now, hello, we think sometimes that sin is just all the bad stuff that everybody else does. But can I tell you, those sins are the very sins that put Jesus on the cross. Those are the sins we got to get rid of. It doesn't say you set them aside gently. It doesn't say you just kind of scoot them out of the way. It says you lay them aside. It means to cast off, to put off. You've got to get rid of the weights and you must, I must lay aside the sin that so easily besets us. I don't know what your besetting sin is or your besetting sins, plural, but I want to ask you today to allow the Holy Spirit of God to identify those things because we're going to tell you what we need to do with those besetting sins today. If we're going to run the race and if we're going to uh, uh, do something for God, if we're going to see God bless us and use us, we're going to have to first lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us, the sin that so easily traps us. The book of Proverbs tells us that many times our mouth is what traps us. The words of your mouth can become a snare to you. Now, maybe you don't have this problem. Um, I, I do have this problem. Uh, I like to talk. Anybody else like to talk? All right, you like to talk? Uh, for people like me that like to talk, sometimes you'll say something, and as you're saying it, you're like, why did I say that? That was not good. That wasn't kind. Or how many of you like to joke? Oh, yeah. We like to joke, and we like the comebacks, you know? And we're like, oh, yeah, watch this. It, I'll get you back. But sometimes our mouth gets us in trouble, doesn't it? The book of Proverbs says our mouth can get us into a snare. First Timothy 6, the Bible says, they that will be rich, they that have a desire to be rich, they fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. You know what traps some people? Not money, the love of money. The desire to get more money. You and I, we've all seen people that they have done things and they've said things and they've gone places and they've got involved in things they would have never got involved in, but because they could make more money or because they could get more of this or more of that, they found themselves in a trap all because of the desire and the love of having money. 2 Timothy says this, the snare of the devil, whereby they are taken captive by him at his will. Here's the deal. 
When we fall into the trap, when we fall into that, I say fall into it, you don't fall into it, you step into it, but you get into that trap of sin. You know what you find out? The devil doesn't let you go. The devil doesn't say, oh, I, yeah, I know you didn't mean it this time. Here, I'll let you go this time. When you get into that trap, that old devil's going to take you captive and he is going to eat you up and chew you up and he's going to spit you out and he's going to do as much damage as he can because he hates you, he hates your Lord, he hates your Savior, and he wants to do as much as he can to destroy your life. So how do we lay aside the sin that so easily besets us? Quickly, let me give you a few thoughts. Number one, we must identify it. What is sin? Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Exodus 20. And I'm gonna, I, I wish I could take more time on this, but I think this is a good list. This is, these are 10 sins that uh, uh, God uh, listed in the 10 commandments. Thou shalt not, thou shalt have no other gods before me. So you know what is a sin? If you or I put anything before God. That may be a person, that may be a job, that may be a possession, that may be a hobby, but if there's anything in your life that comes between you and God, that is a sin. You gotta identify it. We can't lay aside something until we identify it. Thou shalt not make any graven image or idol. You say, well, pastor, I don't have any statues I bow down to. No, but some people bow down to the television set. Some people bow down to that computer. Some people bow down to that uh, social media. Some people bow down to the things that they have. Can I tell you? Things do not last. Things will all burn up. The only thing that lasts is that which is eternal. Thou shalt not bow down or serve them. Uh, we're supposed to serve God, not serve the flesh, and not serve uh, the devil, and not serve our own desires. The Bible says in Exodus 20, Verse number seven, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Whew. Boy, it seems like that's all you hear sometimes. Everywhere you turn, oh my gee, and Jesus this, and all, I want to tell you, I'm not surprised that unsaved people use the name of God in vain. They don't know him. He's not real to them. He's not personal. God is not their father. But for children of God, may God help us to take the name of Jesus and use it with reverence and respect and honor and worship. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. These are just a few. Uh, verse number uh, eight, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Now, of course, we understand the Sabbath was Saturday. That was their day of rest. Well, you get to the New Testament and we see that Jesus Christ arose from the grave on the first day of the week. In the book of Acts, they assembled the first day of the week. And so we have, uh, we have made uh, a Sunday from the scriptures. We have said Sunday is the Lord's day. And by the way, is that too much to ask when God gives you seven days? Is it too much to ask that you give one back to God? But we don't, Sunday is not the Lord's day anymore. Sunday's fun day. Sunday's party. Sunday is, if I have nothing else to do, then I might slip into church. Friend, I want to tell you, I understand some of you with work schedules and all that, and, and I'm not attacking you. I'm talking about people that you could be and you should be in church, but yet Sunday is no longer special. Sunday is no longer sacred. Honor your father and mother. That's a command. So it means if we dishonor our parents, we're sinning against God. 
You say, well, pastor, that is Old Testament. Would you like to take a trip with me to Ephesians 6? <laughs> Where it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, honor thy father and thy mother. Can I tell you, uh, yes, it's Old Testament, but Jesus didn't throw out the Old Testament. Jesus came to fulfill it. You think the Old Testament is hard? Let's go on. Thou shalt not kill, verse 13. You say, Pastor, I've never done that. Good, I'm glad to hear that. But you know what Jesus said? If you have hatred in your heart for your brother, you are guilty of murder. You ever had hatred in your heart for somebody? You know what that's called? S-I-N. That's sin. You say, well, pastor, I don't, I don't agree with that. Well, you can disagree with God all you want to. I'm just telling you what he said, okay? Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's a command. But yet Jesus took it a step further, and Jesus said, whoso looketh on a woman to lust after her, he's committed adultery with her already in his heart. Can I tell you, adultery is sin, but also so is lust and so is pornography and so are the thoughts that are impure and the thoughts that are more. May God help us. Thou shalt not steal, whether it's stealing from your family or stealing from your work or stealing from a neighbor or stealing from a stranger. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Say, well, I heard it from so-and-so. Yeah, I've heard some things from so-and-so too. And you know what? So-and-so doesn't always know. But God has not said that we can blame so-and-so. God has said, we're responsible. Thou shalt not. We, we should not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. Verse 17. Uh, boy, we live in a covetous society. We see it on the, the billboards and we see it in the magazines and we see it on the commercials and we see our neighbors got this, so we got to have this and they've got this. And hey, just be content. Be content with the things that God has given you. A covetous person will never be happy because there's always more. There's always somebody who's got more. There's always going to be something bigger, something better. But don't be covetous. Notice Exodus 20, verse 18. You think God was serious about this? It says, And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and they stood afar off. Can I tell you, this was serious business. I've just given you a few, but what is sin? You can go through the scriptures and you can read about bitterness. Bitterness is a sin. Say, well, you don't know what they did to me. I don't have to know what they did to you, but I just, I just want you to know that God's word says that we must not be bitter, but we must forgive. Bitterness will destroy you. We've talked about lying. We've talked about gossip, uh, cursing. Maybe that's a besetting sin for you. Maybe it's your temper. Maybe you just get so mad and you just, you just blow up. Brother uh, Joe Kirby was talking about that in Sunday school and how we've got to be so, so careful because if, we're, if we don't guard it, it's so easy to explode. It's easy to say things that you don't really want to say and you don't mean. May God help us. May God help us to set aside these sins that so easily beset us. Maybe for you, maybe your besetting sin is gambling. Maybe for you, your besetting sin is drugs. I don't know what it is for you, but I want to tell you this. The Bible says we're to lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. We must identify it. We must be honest with God. We must call it what God calls it. Not only do we identify it, but number two, I want to say quickly, we must avoid it. 
You, you, you can't play with sin. I, I've said this before. This is no secret to you. You can call me a wimp. You can call me a sissy. You can call me whatever you want. I don't care. It's just the way it is. I am terrified. I am deathly afraid of heights. Anybody else with me on that? Afraid of heights? The rest of you, you need to get right with the Lord. Because let me tell you, if this right here, if this top step, if this were a cliff and this were a drop off, I would not be this close. I would not be this close. I'd be about up by the baptistry if that were a drop off. How many have ever been to the Grand Canyon? Anybody ever been to the Grand Canyon? Some of you have been. Uh, the pictures do not do it justice. It is unbelievable. You go to the Grand Canyon and they've got these trails where you can go and they've got these lookout points and at these lookout points, there are wonderful, glorious inventions called guardrails. And if there's a guardrail, I can go up to the edge, I can hold the rail and I can look down and I'm okay. If there is not a guardrail, you will not find me within 20 feet of that edge. You say, Pastor, you are exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating at all. You can ask Joanna. She's, with, she's doing the junior church right now. I took Joanna, we took some college students years ago. We took them to western Colorado. And uh, we were uh, uh, in the, uh, on the, the western slopes. There's a place called the Black Canyon. It's as deep as the Grand Canyon. It's just not as massive as the Grand Canyon. But it, it is, it is it's just so, so incredible. The Black Canyon, we went to the Black Canyon and I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. They've got places there where there are no guardrails. And I'm talking about you just pull off the side of the road and it's like, here's a lookout point. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. There, there's no rail. And, and I am, I'm terrified. I'm scared to death. I, I, I didn't want to get out of the vehicle. And then, bless her heart, my wife, who is a daredevil, she thinks it's funny. She's going to the edge and waving and I'm thinking... Joanna, you can't do that. If you fall, if you are hanging on to the edge, I can't help you. It's not that I don't want to help you. It's that I cannot. I physically would not be able to. I would be paralyzed or I'd faint. But I would not even, I would be, I'd be here saying, I'm sorry, I love you. But there's nothing I can. That's the way it would be. I promise you. And I want to tell you, that is a fear for me. So what do I do? I avoid it. I stay away from it. Now, if this edge right here, we said this was a drop-off, let, let's switch gears. Let's say this edge is not the drop-off. Let's say this edge, this is sin. Here's what some Christians do. I'm all right. I'm good. I'm okay. And you're right until you slip. And when you slip, it's too late. You see, if you were over here and you have a slip, you'll be okay. Or if you're over here and you've got some guardrails up, you could, you could stumble and that guardrail is going to protect you. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to put up some guardrails. We're trying to put up some warning signs. We're trying to say, don't get close to sin because you can't handle sin. And I cannot handle sin. You look at the, the greatest Christians in the Bible. You look at David, a man after God's own heart, and he found out he could not win when he played with sin. And that rhymed. I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. 
But, but, but you, you don't win. You, you, you cannot play with sin and get away with it. You've got to avoid it. The Bible says about Job, it says that he eschewed, meaning he avoided evil. He stayed away from it. Watch out for sin. Watch out for the trap. Stay away from it. Avoid it. You say, well, what do we do with sin, Pastor? It's sin that so easily besets us. And what happens when we do sin? And we all do. The Bible says if we confess our sin, that He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can I tell you what you do with the sin that so easily besets you? You don't try to work it out and figure it out on your own. You come to God and you say, God, would you please forgive me? It's me again. It's that besetting sin again. God, would you forgive me? And would you help me? And would you give me victory? And you know what God does? He makes you feel real guilty, doesn't he? Oh, you wicked sinner, what's your problem? No, you know what God does? He opens up his arms of love. He says, you're forgiven. You know what you do with your sin? You confess it and then you experience forgiveness. You experience the cleansing. You experience the mercy and the grace of God. You don't have to live in the guilt. You don't have to live in the shame. You don't have to live with the regrets of the past. You can be forgiven by the grace of God. But you've got to come to Him. You've got to confess your sin. You've got to get it right with God. I've told the story before, I'm sure, but there was a doctor years ago in Scotland. This doctor was a very uh, kind, very gracious man, and he lived in a community where there were a lot of, of poor folks. And he, there were many people that he provided services and they could never pay their doctor's bill. And so he took his old ledger and next to their name and next to their debt, he wrote the word forgiven. And he did that every year. He'd go through and there were some that could never pay that debt and he would write that word forgiven. After the doctor passed away, some of his family members began to go through his things and they found that ledger and they said, ooh, dollar signs. We can get some money from these people. And so these family members came to a judge and they presented to the judge and they said, these people owed this amount of money and here's the ledger and here's what they owed. And they maybe couldn't pay it, but they still have to pay it because this was their debt. And the judge told those family members, he said, oh no, he said, it's no longer a debt because it's been forgiven. And I want to tell you, we had a debt of sin that we could never pay. Amen. And Jesus Christ paid that debt of sin on the cross with His precious blood. And what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I've got the besetting sin. I'm dealing with it. I'm trying, but it just seems like I can't get the victory over it. Can I encourage you today to bring it to Jesus and confess it? Get it right? experience forgiveness, and with God's help and with God's mercy say, I'm going to forsake this. He that covereth his sins, Proverbs says, shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall find mercy. You say, Pastor, how do we forsake it? I can't. You're right, you can't. But can I tell you through the power of God and through the power of this book right here and through the power of the blood of Jesus, 
you and I can experience victory. We can experience cleansing from the sin that so easily besets us. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.